Hope you like that uh, video clip that I opened up with. We are going to be talking a few minutes this morning on starting a communication transformation. Um, Last week I talked a little bit about this. By the way, if you're visiting with us today, thank you for being here. If you're not visiting with us today, thank you for being here. Thanks for taking time out of your day to be with us. So glad to see you and thank God for each one of you. Thank God for this church family. Um, At the beginning of the year, I talked about this idea of transformation. What does that mean? And uh, the picture that we get when we hear the word transformation, and that's kind of a buzzword in in, in Christianity, it can be, Um, but it is very much a biblical concept that, 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 that Jesus wants us to be transformed, to become more and more like him. That his word makes us more like him, the power of his Holy Spirit makes us more like him. Paul talks in a couple of different places where the desire of the Lord is for us to be transformed, to become more like Jesus. He also says in 2 Corinthians 5, he said that he that is in Christ is a new creation. And that's the idea of transformation, of becoming something new. The picture that we got, uh, that we get, there's the metamorphosis of the you know, caterpillar becoming the butterfly, changing formation to become what it's intended to be so that it can fly. And somewhat of a spiritual picture that, that, that the Lord has for us, that he is, he is doing a work. In it. And, and, and the, the, the point is to surrender to him and say, God, do whatever you need to do in and through me to make me the person that I'm supposed to be in you. Transform me. Last week, I spoke about the transforming our minds and how transformation is directly linked biblically to how we think. Paul said that in Romans 12. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how we think is very powerful. How we perceive is very powerful. And that's why there is a battleground in our minds every day. The things that we think about, the things that we dwell on, how we process information. When we get information, what do we do with that information? So today I want to take the natural progression of transformation and that what is happening on the inside of you will come out. Transformation starts in the mind, how we think, moves to the heart, into the real us, changes us from the inside out, and then the fruit comes out, and the natural place from that is from our mouths. And I'm going to show you biblically today that transformation is also tied to our communication, our words. And so my first question today is, what do you do with what you hear? What do you do with what you hear, the information that you get? We understand that something goes on in our minds. There is a process on our minds. But what do we do when we hear it with our ears? Those words that are spoken. What has been the fruit of your words? What's the fruit of my words? Let that sink in of how you, what you say. Sometimes we may not think that there's a significance on what we say. There is profound significance in what we say. If you look at how the world came into existence, of how God created the heavens and the earth, there is a that powerful word in 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 Genesis, it says that he spoke and said, Let there be light. He didn't just think about light. He, did, he could have done it that way. He could have just thought about there being light and then there would have been light. But it says that 
Something happened with the transference of the word of God out of his mouth that he spoke and there was light. Let there be light and there was light. And then you can go through the history of creation in Genesis and it says, and then he said. And then he said, and he was speaking things into existence by the words of his mouth. The spoken word. And the world was created. So what has been the fruit of your words? What has been the fruit of my words? Here's a, a, a serious question as we look at the church. What's the, what are the words of the church? What, what is the fruit of the words of the church to the world? Because whatever is in, on, on, going on inside of us will come out. You know, you can try to pretend to be something, and a lot of times we can pull it off for a while, but what is really in us will eventually come out and, and it will be manifest through our words. That's why the significance of, in the New Testament, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. They go hand in hand. They fit together. I heard, I heard this recently. It said, it said, the gifts of the Spirit without the fruits of the Spirit are like trees with no roots. And if you have a tree with no roots, it's destined to die or it's fake. And so the fruit that comes out is really born on the inside of us. We can't fake that for long. Whatever's on the inside is destined to come out. And so the, some of those gifts that my words of wisdom or my words of knowledge or my prophecy, they lose something if I'm harsh, bitter, and angry. Does that make sense? If what comes out of my mouth conflicts what is going on and, and, and if I promote gifts and I have no fruit, that's why we need both. Jesus even said, he said, you'll, you'll know a tree by its fruit. That a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. And so you'll know them by the, the fruit that they bear. And so my question again is, what fruit does your words produce? My words, the church's words because we can, we can, again, we can look like something and, and, and say we're something, but if, 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 if our lives contradict that, a cynical world looks on and says, show me the fruit. I'm going to have uh, the next slide up here, and there's several passages. If you can't read those, I know that's kind of small. I got those um, kind of all together there, but uh, I'm going to be working through some of these, but um, if you are taking notes or writing, these are really, really good passages to meditate on, and as you read through them and as we go through them, you will see that there is a biblical precedence of the power of our words. Jesus says this in Luke 6, 45, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Again, what did he say? The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. There's that idea of transformation. We are being transformed. We are becoming something. And it's stored up in our heart. Then Jesus says, whatever's stored up in the heart does what? For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. You see the tie there. Last week, we talked about the mind. The mind, it goes into the heart. The heart, it goes to the mouth. And out of the abundance of our hearts, so whatever's in there is coming out for good or for bad. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. We communicate every day. 
We are communicated to every day. We hear, again, we process, we believe certain ways. Last week I talked about the transformation of the mind, that we have these conditioned responses based on our past, based on things that have happened in our lives. We have conditioned responses. We see something, we hear something. Immediately we will have a certain process and we hear the communication out of someone's mouth or, or, or you know, maybe we read it and it's not just sometimes the, the heard word, but it's the, and maybe it's the written word, but we have a conditioned response. We make decisions on those beliefs every day. We live in a day and age now where information is everywhere, isn't it? We are in an information generation. I mean, information is all around us with, with, uh, with computers, the World Wide Web. And I'm telling you, you can Google anything and you can find an article or a blog about it. I, I guarantee you that. Anything and everything. And there's probably a hundred different opinions about that thing you just Googled. And so information is everywhere. We hear it. And it's incredibly powerful. And as followers of Jesus, as people of, the, of Christ that, that he is saying, I want you to be transformed, we have, what do we do with those words? What do we compare them to? What light do we shine on them? Do we just believe what we hear? Especially with people that we, 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 we care about their opinion or we care about what they say. And that's why I talked a little bit last week about, you know, the whole election cycle and you have all these cable news networks and the reason why they are thriving and they're doing so well is there's lots of people watching and listening and we hear people say it, things every day, whether you are on the right side of things or the left side of things, it doesn't matter. We hear words and they're communicating with us and we sit captive and we listen. But as the people of God, we must respond differently and we must compare that to the word of God and we must say, God, what are you saying through this? Lord, help me not to just form an opinion based on something someone says. I need to look at it in light of scripture, in the light of who Jesus is. That's why I've, I've said this before. You can hear me preach and you guys are a captive audience. I could tell you anything. Go home, dig in the word of God yourself. Test it. Because I think one of the greatest, I've said this before, one of the greatest humilities of God is he let people lead his people. I think that's amazing. And so people can say anything, even spiritual people, even the things that you see on, on Christian television. And sometimes if we are not, if we don't know the word of God and we're not walking with the Lord, people can say anything and we'll buy into a, a, a thought and it can sound real spiritual and it's not truth. We need to know the Lord. We need to know his word. We need to test those things. But we, we are in an information overload and what do we do with those words? What do we compare them to? The words that we speak and the words that we hear and read have the ability to shape us and mold us. Isn't that true? And whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me, had no idea what they were talking about. That's foolish and that's ignorant. Words have the power to bruise our souls or encourage and inspire us. 
The next one is Proverbs 18.21. If you did not think that there's power in our words, listen to the author of Proverbs. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death, so I ask you this. Does your words bring life, or do your words bring death? And if we're created in the image of Almighty God, and God spoke the world into existence, He spoke and there was life. As His children, as the people of God created in His image, we also have this ability. Now, we can't speak worlds into existence, but we have death and life in our tongues. And our words mean a lot. From a famous play back in the 1800s, but you guys will recognize this from um, the saying, but the pen is mightier than the sword. Very true. Because we can control people with our words. We can manipulate people with our words. I've talked to people who have been severely verbally abused and physically abused, and Sometimes the, the story goes like this, that they would rather have been physically abused more than hearing the words. I'd rather them have hit me a, a, another time than to hear abusive words. Because words sink down deep into our souls, in our spirit, and it molds us and it shapes us. And all of us here, we've been molded and we've been shaped by words spoken to us and over us. I love James because James didn't play any games, and that wasn't intended to rhyme, it just did, sorry. So uh, James played no games. Um, but he told it, he, I love that he was a straight shooter. And listen to what he says, he, he, he does not, you, you, don't have, you don't read this and go, well, what are you trying to say here? He says this about the tongue. He said, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise. So he gives us these kind of visual aids and these, these pictures in our mind. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. What are you trying to say, James? Open up and tell us what you're thinking. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. In context, James is not talking to the people of the world. This, is a, this was a circulation letter among churches. So he's dealing with church people. And he's saying that there is absolute amazing power in the tongue. And that it can set a fire. It can do great damage. But it can also be a great blessing. 
As I talked about last week, we have been trained with these conditional responses when things happen to us. And the major way, again, is words that have been spoken over us or to us. Most of us at times, you've been uh, torn down with words, crushed with words, destroyed with words. Some of you have, can probably stand up here and, 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 and your story is way worse than someone else. Some, some of you might not be able to relate to that much where, where you grew up in a home where, where, where kind words were spoken most of the time. But at some point or another, people have spoken harsh words to us, whether they intended it or not, and they've crushed us. And the sad reality is this, and, and the honest reality is this, we've done it to others. You ever say something and wish you could reel that back in? Or you thought it coming out, it it made so much sense, and it was such a good nugget of something that you were going to give, and and it just didn't land the way you thought it would? Or maybe you were just angry, and you spewed out like a volcano, and later on you wish that you would have never said those words. Proverbs 12, 18 is the next one up there. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Think your words don't matter? Reckless words. Have you ever had reckless words? And they cut like a sword. They pierce. But you know, our tongue also has the power to bring healing to people. Not my words, that's just the words of the word of God. In Proverbs 15, 4, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Do not think that your words aren't significant. And so with that, we must be careful with our words. We also must be careful with the words that we hear. You know, there's, there's those trivial things that sting, like, you know, did you mean for your hair to look like that today? I had that happen once. I uh, was getting a little gray. Now I'm just embracing the gray because I've been told that I've been looked distinguished. So, man, those words have brought healing, so I don't do that anymore. So I put a little color in my hair. I'm I'm just being honest with you. And I had someone say, did you mean for your hair to look like that? That does a number on you, doesn't it? Yeah. Walk away from that feeling like, oh my goodness, you know, what in the world? Then everyone that looks at you after that, you go, sorry, I didn't, yeah, you know, I, you just feel like you're explaining yourself to everyone. You ever have that? And it's trivial, but it, it stings. Or how about this one? So why aren't you married? To someone single. You know, that can, be, that, can be, that can be seeming so trivial, but it can be a, a stinging thing that we say with our words. But there are more serious things I, uh, that, that, that we've heard or can come out of our mouth. I wish you were more like your brother. I wish you were more like your sister. I wish you'd never been born. You'll never amount to anything. I really never loved you to begin with. 
or just simply, I hate you. Have you ever heard those words? Have you ever spoken those words? And those words crush people's spirit or crush our spirit. They pierce like a sword. But what about life-giving words that bring healing? To say to someone, I believe in you. You've got what it takes. I couldn't love you anymore if I, ever, if I tried. I'm so proud of you. You're an amazing person. I'm glad that you're in my life. I'm blessed that God gave you to me. Or to your spouse, I would marry you all over again. Those words that bring life. Words mold us for better or for worse. I used to do this with my kids all the time, and they're a little bit older now, so i got to start on Judah when he gets a little bit older. But I used to tell him this, and I said, you know, if, if, if God lined up all the kids in the world, my kids probably remember me saying this, and they, God lined them all up, I would pick you to be mine. To the point where they got a little irritated when I'm like, if I, and I'm thinking it's going to be big, I know you'd pick me. <laughs> With a little smile and a little, but, but you want them to know that. Or my wife's words to me, you're, you're a great husband. Even though I make mistakes sometimes. You're a great father. Or when she says you're a great pastor. That tricky thing of that, you know, that you pastor your family as well. It gives me life when I hear those words. And it's not that I've re- achieved a, a level of perfection, but it, when, when those words are, are poured over, it gives me life and it says, well, I want to, I want to even be better. I want to, I want to step out and, 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 and be more and what God's called me to be. Death and life are in our tongues. So three areas to have a communication transformation. Go to the next one. So we'll go to the first one. Number one is what we do with what others say to us or have said to us. What we do with what others say to us or have said to us. We must guard our hearts against negative words spoken over us. You know that you can't control what others have said or will say about you, but you can control what you believe about that. That last week is tied to the battlefield of the mind. We can't control what they say, but we can control what we believe. Are we defined by it? Do we choose to keep it out of our spirits? Last week we talked about rejecting Negative thoughts. Proverbs 4, 20 and 23. Listen to this. It says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Pay attention to what I say. The power of words. Listen closely to my words. And then he says a few other things, but in verse 23 he says, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Words will go into your heart if you allow them. We, know we have to know what to reject and what to take in. And that is why knowing the Word of God is so important. Meditating on the Word of God is so important. Memorize, yes, 
but get it in you. And that's the part that transforms your heart, meditating. What do you believe? Because a lot of times we can just, we can spout this stuff off and, and it hasn't dropped into our spirits and we can just say it from our minds and it, and it hasn't meant much here and that's why we need to know the Word of God. What do I do with the words spoken over me, about me, or to me? Is it truth or is it not truth? Now let me take a little side note here. This does not mean that words can never be corrective or painful. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes words are painful and they're corrective. Just, you know, if you're, if you're a parent of a child, you understand that. Or if, somebody's, if you allow somebody to speak into your life and they say, you know, I, I think you need to look at this area of your life and they, and they correct you and they bring a corrective word. But, but if, we, if we're open to hearing that, it can be, yeah, that can be life. It's all on how it's done. So I'm not talking about corrective or painful words that we should never hear that. Because we need accountability. But I'm talking about like having a bitter, critical spirit that that, that, that is what's being communicated. My own story, I've, I've had wounding words spoken over me, spoken about me. Or have you ever had this? It's, it's the words that weren't spoken that you were so hoping for as a child, maybe. But as an adult, I've, I've had those wounding words. As a pastor, I've had wounding words spoken to me, about me, written to me. That are painful to hear. And what they can do is they can... Again, they can get, you have to, that's why, that's why he says, my son, listen to what, what I'm telling you. You need to guard your heart because it's a wellspring of life. And, and you can hear words and it can make you second guess. Second guess, you know, your ministry and calling and, man, God, am I, am I really supposed to be a pastor? You know, that person wrote that letter to me and, man, maybe it's true. I, I don't know. And, 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 and then you have to say, God, is it, is it true or not? What do I do with it? And you've got to get before the Lord, and then God speaks, and he says, you know, I've called you, and I've equipped you to do this. You are, you are human, and you're prone to error, and you're prone, but that's why you need me, and as long as you keep running to me, you need to know that I validate you. Because isn't it interesting that Jesus, the Son of God, who came to the earth, he lived this life, and before he started human ministry, his, his public ministry, he goes to John, John baptizes him, and the first thing that we have, we don't have Jesus teaching, we don't have him doing a miracle, we don't have anything. The first thing that launches Jesus into ministry is the words of his Father. That's what began his public ministry. The significance of words, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. And we could read that and we go, well, he's Jesus. Why would he even need to hear that? Didn't he know? God was making a statement by that statement that he spoke over Jesus. And we need to know today that you are God's creation. You are God's masterpiece, Ephesians 2. You've been created and formed from the foundation of the earth. He knew you by name before 
you, there was even a thought earthly about you. He always had you on his mind and his heart. You were not conceived in your mother's womb. You were conceived in the heart of God at the beginning of time. And when we start believing that and getting that in our spirit, that that is truth, all of a sudden, just like when you hear words and your wife says this about your, or your parents say this about you, you begin to take that and go, I, I want to live that. I want to, I want to live that out. And to know that God speaks to you, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, and you I'm well pleased. It's not about what you do, it's about who you are. And so it wasn't about Jesus' ministry, and I think that that was the greatest truth over that statement was, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He didn't say that after Jesus started teaching and started doing some things for the kingdom. God the Father did not look at Jesus and go, man, that was a hot sermon down there. That was awesome. And the way you healed that guy, you are my beloved son and you I'm well pleased. And it could have been directly linked to his performance. Now, God was pleased by what Jesus did. Jesus just simply lived to please the Father, to bring glory and honor to the Father. And he healed people and he did ministry. But before he did any of it, he heard the words of his Father, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so the truth is, you aren't what others say about you. You are who God says you are. So we must know how to receive truth, as I talked about last week. Reject lies, replace that with the truth. Hear and believe what God says about you. So that's the first area. Number two is what we say about and to others. What we say about and to others. We should speak life-giving words to others every chance we get. You know, we have the opportunity to speak life into others every day. You know, we think, we, we, we equate ministry with these grand ideas, and I've done the same thing. But ministry can be, a powerful ministry day can be that you take the opportunity you've been given to speak a life-giving word to someone. And that can be ministry. That can be as powerful as somebody that moved to Africa and is teaching tribes about Jesus. Is that you take advantage of the opportunity God gave you today to speak life-giving words into someone. That is a ministry. And we have the opportunity to do that every day. To transform our world by the words that we speak. And that's why I entitled this a communication transformation. I want it to happen in our church. That we be transformed ourselves and then that we go out there and we transform the people in our community, the people in our world by life-giving words. Because when you give a life-giving word, you know it does something to you as well. When you speak life and, and encouragement to someone, it does something to you and to them. And that's one of the, the, the amazing, powerful gifts that God's given us is, is communication and words. Look for opportunities to speak life. In your marriage, look for opportunities to, to speak life and it will change your marriage. In your children, look for opportunities to speak life and who they are. And even if your circumstances 
don't align with it and you, and you go, I have a hard time saying that. Well, you know, the, the idea of faith is speaking those things as, that are not as though they are. But it will change your children. You can, you can literally transform your family by your words. You can transform your marriage by your words. You can transform your job by your words. You can transform your relationships, your friendships, and we can transform the world by our words. And I encourage you to take time to do it. Be purposeful to do it. And I'm not talking about flattering just, hi, you look really good today. You know, I, you know, unless you mean that, you know what I'm saying, but I'm not talking about just flattery. I'm talking about life-giving words. You did look like your hair was intended to do that today. Something a little deeper than that. But to do it, we'll have to discipline ourselves to close our mouths when negative words are at the door. I love James, you know, we already said it in three, but in James 1, he says this, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And I think he's talking about being slow to be, be very quick to speak if it's a life-giving, encouraging word. But if there is something negative at the door, hold on to it. I've appreciated when I've been talking to people and you know they want to volcanically erupt, not maybe to you, but they're talking about something else. And then they say this, I better not say anything else because if I do, have you ever said that or heard that? If I do, I'm afraid of what's going to be. I actually like almost want to applaud them and say, thanks for holding on to that. Be slow to speak. Here's another thing is, I'm, I encourage us all, repent for what we've done. Repent for the words, the negative words you, you've spoken. If you've never done that, repent. It's a life-giving thing to say, I am sorry, I was wrong with that. Be reconciled. You might say, well, you know, they said negative words to me. Well, the Bible says as far as it's concerned with you, you will give an account for you, not them. Repent. And also forgive. If maybe harsh death words were spoken over you, forgive. And I love Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Wow, what a, that, you could just stop there. Then he says, but only what is helpful for building, up others up, building others up according to their needs and that it may be benefit those who listen. Do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. People hear what we say. Directly and sometimes indirectly. Some people overhear what you say. We've got to be very careful what's coming out of our mouths. So what kind of transformation would happen in our world if we would obey this passage? It's just what we, we said, I'm going I'm to live Ephesians 4.29. And I'm not going to let unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, but I'm going to build others up. But give life with your words. You have the power to do that. If you're thinking about it, speak it. Say it. Write it. Text it. Facebook it. Spread it. Do it. If there are life-giving words, do that. Get, start a transformation in your own world to encourage people. Do it in your home, your family. Do it in your workplace. 
Find, find what, what, what people do well and just say, I appreciate when you do that. That is so valuable when you do that. When our kids were little, we used to do this thing, and I've said this before, we used to do this thing called the blessing chair. Families do that. Sit each person in a chair and we go around and we say, each person says, here's what I love about you. It's very meaningful, very touching, except when they get older, it's not that special anymore. It's still special, but you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, they're like, you're cool, you're awesome. But when it's sincere and it comes out, it's really awesome. But when, man, kids that are little, they just eat that stuff up. It's awesome. When they get older, it's a little different. But, but do something creative. Speak life. Speak life. Encourage the stranger around you, the worker We have no idea the power that we have in our words. You know, painful relationships usually without fail have negative or poisonous words in them. But it's hard to be depressed, bitter, angry when you are giving life-giving words. It's really hard to be upset. But make it a new habit. And it'll take discipline. Especially if you've heard nothing but negative words all your life. If you've been around criticism or a critical spirit or bitter words all your life and it's just kind of how you see the world and it's just kind of your lens it's just kind of bitter critical thinking it'll take it'll take some time to discipline yourself but make it a new habit and here's one way to never get the results you're wanting from others is to constantly communicate or major on their shortcomings be critical or bitter to them, and I guarantee you, you probably won't see any change in their lives. It's a good way to, if you're, if you're looking to make no change, there's a little nugget for you. But communicate what they do well. Speak those things that are not as though they are. It's a biblical idea. The right word at the right time brings life. Jim, Jim uh, Nedger, is Jim here? Jim Skipping out, man. Birthday for a one-year-old, like his grandson. Come on, Jim. You know, where's your priorities? There's my words. No, I'm just kidding. I'm... I, lo- I love Jim. Jim has, you know, most of you know Jim, but Jim has the right words at the right time a lot of times. And one time we were praying together and we were just chatting, and I said, Jim, I just love your heart. And, you know, we were talking, and, and I said, about a month later, we were sitting and he said, he said, you remember that time when we were talking he, and, and, we were, and he like brought the conversation back up? He said, when you said you love my heart, he said, man, that meant so much to me. And it just gave me a lot. I, had, I didn't really even remember it. And that's not a pat on my back. It's just we have no idea the significance and power of our words. And Jim can give me an email that will absolutely bring life to me. His timing is impeccable. And I have people like that in my life that, man, just the right time, they have no idea that what their words meant to me that day. And you, you know, maybe you just heard something negative or you just, you're, you're dealing with something and you're questioning something and we're all processing that stuff and, and then all of a sudden you'll get somebody's encouraging word, just say, we wanted you to know I'm thinking about you today and thank God for you and whoa, can mean so much. And the last one I'm going to look at is this, number three. 
what we say about ourselves and our circumstances. You know, we need to speak life-giving words into our own lives and our own circumstances. I love Jesus in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. He says, and, he, and he's talking about faith, but he says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, what do they do to the mountain? They're speaking to this mountain. Go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that, that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. The power of the words. Our circumstances don't have to rule us. The story of David and Goliath is so powerful when you know, the children of Israel are shaking in fear. Goliath comes out, makes this challenge. You guys know the story. And uh, you know, they're, they're just trying to say, all right, we'll go one-on-one here. And you know, the Philistines are a laid-back thing, and this is just great. If We'll go one-on-one. You know, here's our warrior, this guy that's about as tall as a basketball goal and, and, uh, and just huge, and he's, and he's a trained warrior, and his, you know, the, the end of his spear is about like, you know, like 15 pounds. Can you imagine that hitting you? Can you imagine being able to throw that with accuracy? And so David, who's you know, the, the, the shepherd boy who has great faith, and he's there bringing his brothers you know, some food and the commanders and and he hears Goliath spewing, you know, because it says day after day, Goliath would come and try to intimidate, and his words would, were, was bringing great fear to the camp. And, and he's like, wait a second, who, who is this? Who, who is this guy that's saying this about God, saying this about us? And so David says, I'll go out there and fight him, and, uh, you know, nobody else has any other good plans. And I think it's funny that his older brother criticizes him for that, and it's like, well, what are you doing? And so David goes out there to the battlefield, And I love that he speaks to the circumstance. He says, you know, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin and all these things that in the natural are very overwhelming and can be intimidating and the consequences or the circumstances of this situation are not good. But here's what I come against you with. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down. And we can think, what a cocky little kid. But he was speaking to his circumstances, and he was speaking to a place where in the natural, this didn't make any sense whatsoever. Everyone else thought the giant was too big. David thought he's too big to miss. Get a stone close to that big old head, and he's going down. But how do we speak life, giving words into our circumstances, into ourselves? We align our words with his truth, with God's truth. That's what David did. He aligned his circumstance to God's truth. And I know the cliche of you know, the, the giants or the Goliaths in our lives, but it's very true. We have those circumstances in our lives, and it can be, it can be a job, it can be a relationship, it can be employment or, or finances, it can be a, just a whole bunch of different things that can be staring at us and say, this is very intimidating. What do I do with it? And I say, you know, when we say, we, we, we come into this place in the name of the Lord who's going to watch over me. He's going to walk with me through this. We align our words with His truth, His Word and His Spirit. And I'm not talking about naming and claiming stuff. 
Lord, I claim that Rolls Royce in Jesus' name. No. But it's about speaking the word over our circumstances and over our lives. It's coming to agreement with who he says I am. That's why Hebrews says the, the, the word of God is powerful, sharp and powerful. It's mighty and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it can go in between joint and marrow. In other words, it, it can separate what's of, the, uh, what's of the flesh and what's of the spirit, what's truth and what's not truth. This is who I am. That I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. And we can speak that into our circumstance. I'm an overcomer through the power of Jesus. That's biblical. I'm redeemed because of Jesus. That's biblical. My past is washed away because of Jesus. That's the word of God. I'm a new creation in Christ because of what he did for me. I don't have to stay addicted with, because of the power of Jesus in my life. My marriage is going to make it because of Jesus. My kids are going to make it because of Jesus. It's me constantly aligning myself with truth. And so I want to challenge us today to start a communication revolution, a transformation of communication. We're going to have to start by rejecting the words that were spoken over us, to us, about us. The Bible says that the devil is the father of lies. And so those wounding, piercing words you can reject because they're not yours. I encourage you to break the cycle of negative words in your own life because what happens is we hear them and then we give them. And we hear them when we give them. And the enemy wants to proliferate that from generation to generation. And it's time that it stops and that we can break the cycle and it stops with us. And we can break the curse And then start, as the Lord as, as the Lord is healing you, start speaking life into others. Go out of your way to look for that. When you leave here today, look for an opportunity because you'll have plenty of opportunities to give a life-giving word to someone. Do not negate the power of something very simple and very kind. But go out there and start looking for opportunities. Do it in your family. Do it in your marriage. Do it at your work. Do it at your school. Be on purpose. Because I really do want people to say, what's different about you guys? What's, what's different? You know, you go through some of the same problems I go through. You, you know, what, what's different about you? What's different about that church over there, that weirdo church across the street from that gas station, which we've been called before? The weirdo church across the street from the gas station. Just take that in your heart, you know. Just Yeah, fill her up. There you go. <laughs> Some more peculiar than others, right? <laughs> but speak life, speak love, speak into people in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And understand that biblically, this is powerful. Again, I'm not talking about just a worldly sense, an earthly, like humanistic just everyone be nicer to everyone. I'm talking about life-giving words to people. That you appreciate someone. Thank you for the job that you just did for me. Thank you for what you do. Hey, I noticed this about you. And I just wanted to tell you how much it means for me to see that in you. 
Do it in your life. Do it in your family. Do it in your marriage. Do it everywhere. Let's go start a communication transformation. Will you stand with me and let's pray? Jesus, thank you that you have the words of eternal life. I love that Peter said that about you. To whom shall we go when uh, other people were running away from you and rejecting you? And you turned to your disciples and said, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter says, to whom, where, where or whom would we go? Jesus, you are the one with the, the, you have the words of eternal life. Your words are life. And Jesus, we just thank you that you are the living word. It's one of your names that you are revealed in and through the word that, Lord, when you bring a word to us, it is life-giving. I pray, God, that we would believe who you say we are. Lord, that we would go out and we begin to speak life everywhere we go. Lord, because there is power in our words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And Lord, I pray, God, you would guard us from speaking death and bitterness and being critical, being harsh. We would replace it with life and we would replace it with God's love. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for these people. God, may we go start a transformation, God, with our words. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great, great week.